Hey, a couple weeks ago, we began to talk about, um, we began to talk about love. And the very first thing that love is, is patience. So we talked about patience, and patience was so big, we had to give it two weeks so that we could really get into it. And so if you didn't, you weren't here for that message, you want to catch up, you can go back on our website, and you can go back and listen to that message. But let me ask you a question this morning. Why is love so important? Why is love so important for us? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Love never fails. Think about this. Love never fails. So if you want a sure deal, you've been looking for a sure deal, you've been looking for something that works every single time, you know what that thing is? It's love. Love never fails. It works every single time that you work it. But sometimes we get the opportunity to overcome some things. And so we get presented with tests. But if we overcome the test, if we pass the test, then guess what? Then it won't fail. But if we don't pass the test and we get out of love, then sometimes it's not going to work. That means that we don't have that sure deal every single time. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 6. Because this morning what I want to talk to you about is the fact that love is kind. I want to talk a little bit about kindness. Look at Luke chapter 6. I'm going to read to you verse 27 and 28, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 31. Verse 27 says, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. And verse 31, Just as you want men to do to you, do also to them. So this is the golden rule doing to others. That's where we get that from, doing to others the way that you want them to do to you, right? So some people say, well, I just, I don't understand it. I don't have any friends. Are you showing yourself friendly? Are you smiling? Are you getting to know people? Are you trying? <laughs> Sometimes you got to try if you want to have friends. Same way with kindness. People are just not very, being very nice to me. Well, what's your demeanor look like today? What kind of look do you have on your face? Some people, they don't even try, and sometimes they just have a scowl on their face because they've had that for all these years. Well, it might be a good idea. You can improve your face value. <laughs> you can improve your face value by doing what? Just putting a smile on your face. You know, I like being around people that smile. I like being around people that are nice to be around, right? And there's an attraction there. And so if you'll put a smile on your face, hey, so let's talk a little bit about this because it's easy to be nice to people that are kind to you, right? People, man, I, uh, I had the privilege uh, three weeks ago to go, Nicole and I, to hear Alveda King speak at an at event they were having in downtown Bentonville. And while we were there, I was sat at a table and I got to sit next to the guy that owns Seven Brews. And Seven Brews Coffee is a really unique business, so I was really digging in and asking him a lot of questions about their business plan and how he came up with the idea and why drive through is working for him. And one of the things that I noticed about Seven Brews, if you haven't been there, is the way that they treat you at the window. They are very warm and friendly to you. And it's on purpose because they're trying to connect with you. They not only want to sell you a cup of coffee, they want to build a connection relationally so that you come back. A lot of people come back to Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A goes the extra step. They bring the food to your table. They ask you, they check in on you. They ask you if you need anything. Hey, would you like me to get you a refill? And they're not asking you for a tip. 
are they? They're earning your business with the, how kind they're being to you. And so his plan was so interesting to me. So they're doing what, you know, how many of you have heard of that book, Kill Them With Kindness? They're putting that into practice in this business. And it's working real well for them. The interesting thing to me was, you know, at this location I was at, it was 10 in the morning, and their line was six, seven cars deep on both sides. And I looked over at a competitor, and they didn't have anybody in line. So, huh, interesting. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three keys to kindness. These are not all the keys, but I felt like based on these verses, these are three important keys that you need to know about kindness that will help us. How many of you want to be helped? How many of you want to be a little better at kindness? Oh, good. There was a lot of you. Normally, I get about two hands, so that's encouraging. We're going to kill them with kindness, right? The first key is this. Do good to your enemy. This is based on verse 27 that I just read. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. How many of you think that's easy? That's not very easy, is it? And this is a test because being good to people who have not been good to you, that's an opportunity for you. Sometimes we don't realize this, that we're getting an opportunity when people are being hateful toward us. We have an opportunity to, in return, to be kind to them. And it takes a decision, and you have to do it by faith. This is not something you can do by feelings. Why? Because your feelings are going to be up, going to be down. You have to make a quality decision that you're going to be kind all the time, no matter what. Let me ask you a question. Do you love your spouse some of the time, if you're married in here? Do you love them just part of the time, once in a while? Okay, let me ask, you, let me ask it this way. Do you always feel that love feeling on the inside with your spouse? Some, some people are going, yes, yeah, so that's, that's incredible. I want to know the secret, Miss Nancy, of how you do that. But sometimes you don't always feel romantic. Nancy, do you always feel romantic toward your husband? It's kind of, I'm getting a mix. I don't want to create problems over there. <laughs> ah, <laughs> she's wanting me to ask her husband again. Okay, ask him again. No, but the bottom line is you made a covenant. You made a choice to love your spouse, didn't you? And sometimes those feelings are there. And it's wonderful when the music is there and the wind is blowing just right and the sun, you know, the light is hitting her face just right and, there's be- and, it's, and it's beautiful. But those moments are not always there, right? You have the morning after. And so you can't go by your feelings. You go by the decision that you made. Well, when you make the same quality decision to be kind to somebody, you don't go by your feelings, do you? You make the quality decision and you, de- and you decide, you know what? I'm going to be kind. If they treat me mean, if they are hateful toward me, I'm going to respond in love and with kindness. And let me tell you, it's going to pay off. Because vengeance is not yours, is it? It's God's. Vengeance is God's. If we just treat people with kindness, then God will take care of our enemies. He will. Let me give you an example of that. When Nicole and I lived in another state, we owned a home in a neighborhood. And this neighborhood had about 60 homes in it. Well... One of our neighbors called us one day and said, hey, we have a couch, a chair, and an ottoman that we would like to give to you guys. Really? Glory to God. So we thought that was amazing. So we went down to their house, and it was a big, beautiful leather couch. And Zach and I picked it up, and we were were moving it 
out the door, getting ready to take it down to our house. And as we're taking it through the door, I hear Nicole ask the lady because she had a cat, and so there was a few cat scratches on the couch. And, she, and so Nicole asked, did you ever check into some, you know, some kind of uh, something that you could use to, to fix or repair cat scratches? Well, the lady got offended immediately, and you saw her countenance changed. And we were like, we just, she just asked a question. I mean, we didn't mean anything by it. Well, she, from that day forward, we had taken her daughter to church with us several times. Her daughter could no longer go to church with our kids. She could no longer come down to our house and play. I mean, all of a sudden, she was just had turned from being a nice neighbor to now very hateful. In fact, so much so, she began to talk to our other neighbors about us. And was saying, saying things to them, and we were astounded. In fact, our other neighbors would, would let us know, and they'd say, hey, did you know so-and-so, you know, those other neighbors are talking about you guys? And they're not saying right things about you guys. And we thought, well, what do we do? Well, we're going to respond in love. This was a good test for Nicole and I to begin to respond in love because we would wave at them, we would smile, and they would give us this mean, dirty look. You know, as we would drive by, we were just thinking to ourselves, what did we do? So this went on for months. So we get a call from Home Depot, a friend of ours. Home Depot had donated pallets of trays of, tell me the flower, pansies. Uh, so all these pansies in trays, they were getting rid of them. And so they asked us if we wanted them. Well, Nicole and I always learned no matter what people offer you, say Yes. If they're offering, they're offering to give it to you. Why? Because they're putting seed in your hand that you can give to somebody else and be a blessing. Psh, glory to God, you know. So anyway, so we get all of these pansies. And I mean, it's a truckload. So we have trays and trays of pansies. Now, I got to tell you, honestly, in my heart, because we were talking about giving everybody in our neighborhood, every house, a tray of pansies. In my heart, first thing, I didn't want to give them a tray of pansies. I wanted to leave everyone on everybody else's driveway except their driveway. But then deep down in my heart, heart, I heard that still small voice. No, we need, this is a good opportunity to love those neighbors. And you know what? We left them a tray of pansies with everybody else. And, and they, call, they called Nicole the pansy fairy as we were leaving pansies everywhere. You know, and so you know what happened? All of a sudden, she began to turn. It softened her heart. She saw that we were responding in kindness to hatred. You see what happens? It's hard for people to be mad at you when you're giving them things, when you're being a blessing in their life. It's hard for them to stay mad at you. And it turned that decision completely around. Now, <clears throat> I heard an example of this too. I, I was listening to Joel Osteen preach, and he shared this story that I thought, it fits so perfectly with this, so I'm going to share it with you. So there was this large ministry in a certain city that does conferences. And they invite pastors and leaders to speak at this conference. And it's a, it's a huge conference that people come to every year. Well, when Joel Osteen started doing their Night of Hope, they started traveling to different cities. Well, they traveled to this city, and they decided to put on a Night of Hope. And so this organization was not happy about it. It was happening at the same time as, as their conference. And so they began to talk to say some really negative things about Joel Osteen because it was affecting their conference. The attendance of their conference was dropping because Joel was doing the Night of Hope there. And so 
he said they said some really negative things about us, and they said some things that were untrue about us. He said, well, I didn't, I didn't know these people. He said, so I didn't really pay attention very much. Well, what happened was later the next year, <clears throat> or at a later conference, they decided to invite this minister to come and speak at the conference. And this minister, uh, you know, if he came and spoke at your conference, I mean, it would be a really big deal. He attracts a lot of people, and it would be a big boost for the attendance. And so they asked him if he would come. Well, he said, well, he said, you know what? He said, before I come, he said, Joel Osteen's a good friend of mine, and I just want to check with him and get his recommendation before I come. Well, they thought, oh, no, because Joel was the last person they wanted him to talk to about a recommendation because of all the negative things they've been saying about Joel. And so he called Joel. Well, Joel said, well, God is good. This is an opportunity for me to pay back these people for the same thing they've been doing to us. Well, he had the same thing happen in him, in his heart. He said, he said the Holy Spirit, the still small voice. How many of you know have heard the still small voice? <laughs> he, on the inside of him said, you know what? This is an opportunity. This is a test for you to pass. This is an opportunity to respond in kindness. And so he did. He gave them a good recommendation. And his friend went and preached for them. In fact, he called them and he said, you know, I talked to Joel, and Joel said, you should definitely go and speak at this conference. He said, so thank you for asking me. Well, these guys fell over. They just couldn't believe that Joel gave them such a high recommendation. And you know what? Two months later, the, the head of this organization wrote Joel a letter apologizing because of all the things that they had said about him. So see what God can do when you respond in kindness? You're responding in kindness not necessarily for the person that you're being kind to. You're doing it for you. Because God, you're going to pass that test, and then God's going to be able to take you to a brand new level. How many of you want to go to a new level? Glory to God, yeah. So, number one was do good to those who hate you, right? Number two is bless your enemy. Because here's what happens. When you refuse to talk negatively about your enemy, then you are blessing your enemy. You're blessing them. Because sometimes you ask people about a certain person or about a certain situation, and the way they respond can be in kindness or could be in hate, right? <clears throat> so, Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 28. 28 says, bless those who curse you. Oh, this is a fun one. Bless those who curse you. This is another test. It's a test of your character, the way that you bless other people. Because they don't need your blessing. But what, what's true is that you need to bless them. You need it more than they do. I don't know what that is, but that's not my phone. But that's coming through the sound there. Um, <laughs> just so you know. So be a blessing to other people. The reason God can't bless someone is because he can't entrust them with that power. They're going to use it to get even if they don't pass the test. And so this is why it's important because the sooner you learn to bless your enemies, then the better things are going to go for you. Look at Genesis 37, if you have your Bible. Genesis 37, and I want you to look at verse 20. <clears throat> Joseph, this is the story of Joseph. Joseph's brother had thrown him into a pit. You remember Joseph's father had given him the coat of many colors, 
And, and what that coat represented was it was the birthright coat, that he was going to receive the inheritance. And so his brothers didn't like him, and they had a real problem with Joseph. They ripped him, they, they took his coat from him, and they shredded it. They put the blood of a goat on it. They took it back to his father, told him that his son had been killed, and they threw Joseph in a pit. Then they pulled Joseph up out of the pit. They sold him as a slave. Boy, you know, you may have a rough family, but they haven't sold you as a slave yet. So, you know, you're not, you haven't stooped to the, the Joseph level yet. So they sell him as a slave. And he goes and he works for a man named Potiphar. He becomes a slave. He does such a good job that Potiphar begins to promote him. And then Potiphar's wife begins to have an eye for him. He won't cheat on Potiphar with her, you know, and, and, and dishonor Potiphar, dishonor God. And so then she gets mad and upset. She finds a way to get him thrown in the dungeon. He is in the dungeon for 13 years. One thing that I noticed that's not recorded anywhere in, in, in this whole chapter of reading about Joseph is that there's not one time that he ever speaks negatively about his brothers. Let's chew on that for a minute. He never had a negative word to say about his brothers. These are the brothers that were envious of him, hateful toward him. I mean, hateful about everything. Every time he got around his brothers, they said hateful things to him. They said mean things to him. Joseph had a lot to overcome. And now he's in prison. And it looks like he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. Could you imagine? Nine years, 10 years, 11 years, 12 years. Wouldn't you be tempted to begin to allow your mouth to run? He never did. And that 13th year, you know what? God saw Joseph can pass the test. Joseph is the man that I can entrust with great power, great authority, because he won't use it as a way to get vengeance on his brothers. And he didn't. God took him from prison to the prince of Egypt. And one day, one day, he became second ruler of Egypt. Man, imagine that. The way God took him from there to here. And it's because of his kindness. His kindness toward his brothers because God knew that he could trust him. So here's what happens is when you do the same thing, when you refuse to speak negatively toward your family, toward those people that are being hateful toward you, you pass the test and it qualifies you for promotion. God's going to bless you. When you don't have a negative word to say about your boss, <clears throat> everybody else that you're working with is coming to you and saying, Man, can you believe the boss did that? Can you believe that they would stoop that low? Can you believe all the things that, that that person is doing and you sit there and you refuse to answer? What are you doing? You're not agreeing with them. All of it may be true, but just because something's true doesn't mean that you have to agree with it. You have to stoop to that level to begin to talk negatively toward people. Amen? And what are you doing? You're setting yourself up to be promoted. You're setting yourself up to go from being a pauper to being a prince. To going from being way down here to going to being in charge. Huh? I'm going to get a drink of water. Sounds like my voice needs it. Amen, amen. You're not their judge anyway, are you? You're not. <clears throat> Listen to what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, 
It's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's my job to love. Wow. So we love by being kind. And you know what? You can serve kindness. You can serve rudeness with kindness. I heard about this lady. This is a, a pretty incredible story. For seven years, there was this uh, old man. He was 89 years old. He's a World War II veteran. His name is Buck Swords, Walter Buck Swords. And for seven years, he would go into Luby's. You guys remember Luby's Cafeteria? For seven years, he went into this restaurant. But because of his demeanor, because he was so mean, because he, he complained about everything constantly, he never liked the service that he was given, he didn't like the food, he complained about the food quality, nobody wanted to serve him. Nobody wanted to serve this guy except this woman named Melina. Now, Melina had a different attitude. She, she got past all of his hardness, all of his hatred, all of his meanness, all of his complaining, and she decided to wait on him with love. She decided to serve rudeness with kindness. And so she would, she would help him get past stuff, and she said he had some interesting things that he would do. He wanted... Um, all of his food to be really, really hot. I mean, super hot. He even burned himself at the restaurant because his food was so hot. But she would take care of him. And she would make sure that all of his food was the way that it was supposed to be. Well, then, all of a sudden, she didn't see him for a long time. And in 2007, she began to look in the, in the obituaries. And she found his name. And she found that he had he'd passed away. So about five months later, one day she's working in Luby's, and all of a sudden uh, this man comes in and he asks to see her. And she thought that was a little odd, so she sat down with this guy, and he said, he said, do you remember a guy named Walter Swords? And she said, yeah, you, you know, I waited on him every time he came into the restaurant. And he said, well, you know, he has a real hard shell about him, and he, he never let you know this, but your kindness just really affected him. He really appreciated how kind you were to him. And because of that, you know, he wants you to know that he's left you his car. But also, he's given you this, and he handed her a check for $50,000. Because she served rudeness with kindness. She passed the test, and she proved to God that she could handle the blessing and the promotion. Man, what a story. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says this. And be kind to one another. Do you think God's talking to you? <laughs> say, don't, maybe not to you. Look at your neighbor and say, I think God's talking to you. <laughs> and be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now listen to this. Mark Twain said this. He said, if you find a dog on the side of the road that's hurt, that's starving, that's mangy, that's dirty, that's dying, and you feed that dog, you take it home, you groom it, you nurture it back to health, that dog will not bite you. Why? Because you've shown it kindness. You know, when you respond to hatred with kindness, you're eliminating a future bite from people. You can turn that around. Amen? So number three is pray for your enemy. Now this is a really big one. Pray for your enemy. In verse 28 of Luke 6, in that scripture I read, 
it says pray for those who spitefully use you. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have been used <laughs> and abused? You're just saying, yeah, that's somebody else in here. That's not me. Listen, when it says to pray for those people, he didn't mean to pray that they'll go bankrupt. He didn't mean to pray that that woman that took your ex-spouse and is living with him now, that she would, you know, lose all of her money. She'd develop a disease or something. No, God is saying, hey, pray blessing on them. Pray for them. I heard John Bevere say this and it ministered to me. He said, pray for them the way that you would want others to pray for you. How do you want people to pray for you? That you would be blessed. That you would be increased. So, pray for them. That blesses them. Think about Job for a minute. You remember Job? You remember he's going through all of this pain, suffering. He's lost his family. He, he has a debilitating disease. He's being attacked in his body. He has, these, he has these boils that he's dealing with. And now, his friends come, and they didn't, he finds that they didn't come to to encourage him they came to complain to him and now not only is he putting up with everything else that's going on now he's putting up with his friends who are trying to blame him for the reason that all this has happened and now he's having to defend himself and listen to what it says in Job 42 verse 10 it says and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends wow his friends were not being very friendly they were being more like enemies so what do you think will happen to you when you choose to pray for that person that cut you off on the road? When you choose to pray for that person that waved at you with a certain gesture that didn't take all of his fingers? You know, what are you going to do when, when they invited everybody to the meeting except you? Or they were passing out the Christmas gifts and they passed out everyone to everybody except you. What are you going to do? Are you going respond, to respond in vengeance? Hatred, animosity, you, li you live by the sword, what happens? You die by the sword. Wow. You know, Job could have said, but they don't deserve God's blessing. But he wasn't blessing them for their sake. He was blessing them for his sake, wasn't he? Because when he blessed them, all of a sudden God gave him double for his trouble. He blessed them with twice as much as he had before. You know, I'm thinking about being taken advantage of or, or being used. You know, I, I, I remember, this is long before I met Nicole, okay? This is years and years and years, decades before. I didn't know Nicole existed. But I thought this other girl was really cute. I met her at camp. And so I decided to ask her out. She agreed after much begging, you know, and much, you know, coercing. Because, you know, sometimes you have to do that. And so this, this girl finally went out with me well we went out I don't know several times and every time I would go to her house and pick her up there was this guy that was there with her brother and they were friends and I just thought he was a nice guy and so we talked and we'd laugh and everything and uh, come to find out that was her boyfriend and she was going out with me to make him jealous well once the job was done I was yesterday's trash she threw me to the side quick. They wound up getting married, and, you know, I'm glad I could help them out with that, you know. But it didn't feel very good for me to feel used. But I prayed for her. I forgave her, and that helped me, helped me forgive. But, you know, 
Sometimes, I also, when I was a little kid, I, I, I was 10, 11 years old, we lived out on a farm. My sister, Laurie, was, uh, she was a very beautiful young lady. I mean, she was homecoming queen, captain of the cheerleading squad, you know, very popular in school. And uh, so all the guys wanted to get to know me. And they wanted to get to know me for one reason, so they could come out and, and you know, hit on my sister. And so it was really annoying because, you know, they, they would want to develop this relationship, but all they wanted to talk about was my sister. Well, I don't want to talk about my sister. I'm 10 years old, man. I mean, so anyway. See, I don't have to go much farther. You guys know what I mean, right? Proverbs, verse, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21 says this. It says, if you love your enemy... Uh, I'm sorry, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Now, this sounds the opposite of what you would do to your enemy, right? Give him food to eat, water to drink, for so you will heap coals of fire on his head by doing this. Huh. Now, some of you might be thinking, now I know what to do. I can heap coals on their head by giving them food. To, Here, have some food. Here, have some water. You know? No, 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 it doesn't, doesn't work like that. It said, if you, if you do the same things that they're doing, you're going to have a bigger problem, and you're not going to be able to rise any higher. Now, during the Korean War, there was this father who had been taken captive by the communists, and when he was taken captive, they uh, found out that he was a Christian, and so they ordered him to be executed and to be shot. And so this young uh, communist took him, and when he lined him up to execute him, he found out that he was the head of an orphanage. And, and, and so he decided not to kill him, but he killed his son instead, his 19-year-old son, right in front of him. Brought the 19-year-old son, ordered the execution, they shot him right there in front of him. Years later, when the war was over, this young communist stood trial by the United Nations for all the different things that he had done. And they convicted him, and, they, and, and the sentence was death. And he was going to be executed. Well, this father found out about it, the father of the son that, he, that this young communist had murdered. And he went in, and he pleaded for his life. He said, listen, he was young and stupid. He didn't know what he was doing. And he begged the United Nations that they would release this man to him to live in his house and that he would raise him and make sure that he lived a productive life. And so it had never been done before, but the United Nations agreed, and they released this young man to him. And he brought him to his home, and he let him, allowed him to live in his home, and he raised him like he was his son. And you know what? This, he did grow up to live a productive life. You know what he did? He became a Christian, and then he became a pastor. Most of us are not going to experience something that traumatic that we're going to have to go through or deal with. But hatred is going to present itself in some way, shape, or form to all of us. And we have the opportunity to let that go and to respond in kindness. And I would gather that, that some of you in here, in, in the, under the sound of my voice, are dealing with this in some way, shape, or form this morning. As I've been talking, maybe you've seen visions of people in your mind that you know that you've been dealing with that. And I'm telling you, this morning is your opportunity to respond 
with kindness so that God can promote you. When you take the high road, it puts you at a higher elevation. And it shows God that you can be trusted, that you're not going to use power and authority and finances and influence to hurt other people. But God can trust you. He wants to promote us this morning. But if that's you and you're dealing with that, I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you've been struggling in that area. Maybe you know of people that have hurt you. Maybe there's people right now that are hating on you. You didn't do anything to deserve it. But they're just responding in hatred toward you. And you haven't been able to figure out why. Well, let me tell you something. It's, you don't need to know why. You don't. What you need to know is that if you respond with kindness, then God will promote you. And when you respond in kindness and love and forgiveness, God, you release God to be able to work in their life. So if that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads all around the room? If you say, Phil, that's me, man. I, <clears throat> what you said has really affected me. What, you say, what you're saying is right where I'm at. If that's you and you want to release that this morning, and I want heads bowed, eyes closed all around the room. I don't need, to, I don't need anybody else looking at hands. But I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand because you're not raising your hand for me. You're raising your hand to God and saying, that's me. I need forgiveness to flow in my life. God sees those hands. He sees who you are. Now, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask all of you to pray with me out loud. And let's release this this morning. Would you pray with me? Let's say it out loud together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've extended to me your mercy and grace. I've received it, and I am grateful. And so right now, in turn, I decide to extend that same mercy and grace to that person or those people. I release them now in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for helping me walk in kindness toward them. Thank you, Lord. I won't go by my feelings, but I decide to walk in love.